Welcome to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. This podcast is for teachers and parents who want to gain knowledge, perspective, and inspiration in the areas of literacy education and special education. Episode topics tend to focus on dyslexia, ADHD, literacy education, and mindful teaching. This podcast was created to build awareness for our nonprofit, Mindful Literacy Columbus. Check out the show notes to learn more and to get involved. Welcome to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. I am, I always say that I'm so excited, but I am really excited because (laughs) I'm sitting with a former colleague of mine, Bill Manchester, who is the greatest music teacher on the planet. Um, And he wrote a book called When You Feel Like Quitting Teaching, Read This Book. Inspiration and Strategies for Long-Term Success. Welcome, Bill. Oh, thanks. Thanks. It's really, it's nice to be here. Nice to be talking to you again. That's great. Yeah, for sure. I you know we, we connected over the winter when you were, when you kind of finished the manuscript and I, if it brought just back so many memories as an intervention specialist and you are a music teacher and how masterful you were at integrating the curriculum across all content areas and how fun that was to work with you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, That was great. And it's really cool to see the things that your students were doing and are doing now. Um, And it's, you know, it's reading, but it's more than that, you know? And so I feel like we really are on the same page with that. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, not to overgeneralize, but typically the kids I work with, the kids who have dyslexia or ADHD, their strengths are typically in the arts and the performing arts and um, and being creative. So that's yeah. always fun for me to work with kids with that um, with those brain pathways. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, so um, very. Also, just a very personal thing before we dive into the content of this amazing book is I have to say, I also remember being a teacher and an intervention specialist is no joke. It's really hard. Um, And there's a lot of paperwork that you don't necessarily think to yourself, oh, I want to be a teacher. Oh, I want to push a lot of paper around and sit in meetings where people argue a lot. Um, That's not really on your radar when you want to be a special ed teacher. And I have to, I remember specifically a moment when I was thinking, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And you and the art teacher, Ben Pinciotti, went to some workshop at the Columbus Museum of Art, and mm-hmm. you were really um, embracing this notion that everybody is creative in our space. And you guys put up the sign above every single teacher's door, I am creative in this space. And mm-hmm. how rejuvenating that was for me. And I was like, yes, I am creative. And you have to be creative to be a good teacher. And I just, you know, want to point out what a leader you you are. And I'm sure you still are in your building. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Yeah. It helps. It bought me a couple extra years. That <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, and you actually have a chapter in the book about, about being a leader um, and finding leadership roles to to rejuvenate and stoke the fire. So yeah. cool. So you're not, yeah, you're, you're the real deal. I just want people to know that I'm coming off, <laughs> okay. coming out of the gate. Um, 
And yeah, do you want to say anything about why you wrote this book before we get into the nitty gritty? I was thinking about, you know, things that I'd, I'd want to say to teachers and, and things that I'd like to share. And um, as I got into this, I started just contacting teachers. I, I had a little survey that anybody could get a hold of. Just have you ever felt like quitting teaching? And um, there was only one teacher that I came in contact with that said, no, I've never thought about quitting teaching. And that was somebody who had only taught for like three years. So I was like, just wait. <laughs> you know? um, <laughs> not that, and, and just because I think it is such a really emotional um, job. You know, I think that it's, you know, we get into teaching because we care so much and it's not always going to be smooth. We're look, we're working with um, other human beings, other organisms, you know, that it's not always going to be this smooth uphill climb. And so when we have those downtimes, there is this going to be this feeling of, is this worth it? Am I going to make it? Um, and so I felt like there were things that I had learned. There was things that I had gained, you know, to be able to stay with it um, that I wanted to share with others. You know, I, I think there was a time, well, last, I guess it was right before the the emergency uh, pandemic <laughs> learning, I was in the, uh, I was walking through the teacher's lounge and there was another teacher sitting there and she was the, it was the first year she was teaching in, in our building. So she was new with those students and she said, Hey, have you got any ideas with this class? Like I'm just having a lot of trouble with them. Um, and I started to kind of talk about something. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, let me go get my lunch. And we sat down and I just gave her some ideas and thoughts. And, and then like shortly later, she said, oh, this really worked and this was great. Um, and the cool thing was she had already been doing a really great job. You know, I'd heard stories. I'd seen what her kids had been doing. You know, it wasn't like she was struggling. She needed that little extra push um, to kind of keep going. So with the book, you know, kind of the idea is putting that in a book form that can be spread out to a lot of different people. And not only, you know, here's this specific uh, information to use, but here's this idea of how we help each other and how we can really be in this together. Yeah. And actually, the the structure of your book, you know, if you've been tuning into this podcast for the past two years. I love structure before <laughs> I can fill it with content. And I love mm. how you structured this book because you deliver content. You There's a section called, how can I use this tomorrow? Mm. And then how can we learn this together? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's, that's kind of full circle. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense of how this book was born because very end of every chapter is how can we do this together we're in this together not to be cliche right and i think that it is easy to get uh very isolated in teaching and um we have these tools at our disposal now with social media you know we can talk to teachers we can find a teacher that is like us all around the world you know and, and i'm hoping that this can be a part of that just bringing teachers together to know that we're not alone we can we can move together move forward together in this. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. The book was born out of really, there is a, there's, there has been a national crisis in a shortage of special ed teachers for a long time, but now there's a shortage of all teachers. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Well, well, it's evident that the book was born out of this, um, Oh, the emergency teaching pandemic situation. I do think that it's applicable long-term for sure. Right. Yes. Yes. And I, 
um, as I got into it, I think that's the thing too. I, I had some specific lessons kind of through that emergency pandemic teaching that I felt like some of these, well, this is going to apply all the time. And there were ways that, you know, that, that emergency pandemic teaching was really hard, <laughs> but there were also ways that I grew um, that, you know, it kind of forced me to grow in, in different ways that I think yeah. will enable me to teach longer and, you know, um, make it more meaningful and manageable, even when yeah, we're not sure. doing, you know, we're not having to do some of those things that we had to do before. Yeah. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, I think we both are on our 17th year of teaching right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I certainly, even in my first year was like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> and the, a mentor of mine who's like, you know, she kind of, she's like a fifth year teacher at the time, took me under her wing and, you know, you have a whole chapter about making a difference in your colleagues' lives and, and giving them positive reinforcement and positive feedback. And I'll never forget Shannon Clancy. <laughs> this is my mentor teacher. Uh-huh. Made there's like a hundred, there's like a hundred days left of school. That's a long time to go, right? Yeah. Um, she made me like uh, she made me this little book. She made it by hand. She she was so creative, like elementary teacher to a T, but every little square was a day and she said something nice. She said like a hundred nice things about oh me to keep me going. I'm like, That's Oh my God. Okay. Well now I have to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get through all these pages. Yes. Yeah. It was That's great. so cool. Yeah. 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 So just, I love that, um, you know, kind of jumping around, but that, that whole thing about being positive with each other and lifting each other up is probably the biggest takeaway that I had from the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, I mean, I've been really fortunate that everywhere that I've taught, I've had teachers that have been really positive and have been in there with me. But I would say also everywhere that I've taught, there's a lot of negativity that, that creeps up. You know, sometimes it's, it's born out of a, you know, hard situations that, you know, it's tough to respond positively. And then other times it's, you know, I think it's born out of jealousy and boredom and, and all these other things. Um, and that, yes, that positivity is really important. Yeah. And so in those cases too, I think being able to diplomatically hold a boundary and also kind of block. Oh yeah. Bad vibes. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that is, you know, something that isolates teachers too, is you start to get this negative thing. And then suddenly there's these people that you want to stay away from, um, not even that they're negative towards you, but, you know, there's just this general negativity that can start to really grow. Yeah. And yeah. How, yeah. But then how do you, yes, how do you, um, you know, put up those boundaries, as you said, but then also encourage them because that, that negativity is probably not coming from a place, you know, it's not necessarily where they want to be either. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's a tough thing. Yeah, and I, I, I see this a lot to my my special ed um, majors at Otterbein. So like these are pre-service teachers, and I teach a few courses there. But I'm like, you guys, I know you are going to be first-year teachers, but you are also the teacher of grown-ups, right? <laughs> so like you can be a leader as a first-year teacher, and you're gonna you're gonna be the expert in special ed, you know. So yeah, yeah. I think that's really empowering to hear from your book too, because I do think, you know, and you mentioned like this is a great book for brand new teachers all the way through 
all the way through, you know, 35 plus. Yeah. And the other thing that struck me too is um, I know tons of people, mostly women, who were teachers and then took a step away from the classroom to raise kids. Mm -hmm. And I see, you know, even like for myself, like when I'm done with the season of life of raising kids and having a more flexible schedule, will I ever go back? Maybe I'll have to read this book again, you know? (laughs) So like, not only like, yeah, not only for if you feel like quitting, but also if you feel like you might want to come back, you could read this book. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and I think that, um, yeah, I think for you, you know, and specifically, and and there are a lot of, I mean, I, I came across lots of people in that position where they they loved what they were doing, teaching wise, and then they stopped doing that. But they're still, you know, teaching, and teaching can look like all different kinds of things. Um, and then reintegrating just the the pressure of the full time public school is a different mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess like, well, I don't want to like spoil it too much, but just kind of my larger, my other takeaway was just, um, and this is kind of goes along with mindful literacy, mm-hmm. um, but it was a very, it is kind of tuning into your own, um, your own mindset and being like, oh, if I just shift one or two practices or one or two thoughts or, you know, one or two ways that I approach kids or maybe in this moment of time, I'm the learner and my students are my teacher, you know, just kind of tiny little mindset shifts can make a huge difference and, and, and increase the longevity of your career. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. Yes. It's easy to feel like nothing is ever going to matter or that it takes this big, big thing that you're going to do. And then sometimes I see teachers like really embracing this like big change. And then it's just not, it just normally life doesn't work that way. You know, mm-hmm. these little things that creep back in. And so it's just one little step at a time and kind of over and over again. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to zoom back out and just talk about the, you know, the kind of alarming rate at which there is teacher attrition and just kind of want to hear from you what you think about, you know, the responsibility and role of teachers, but also administrators, the community politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and I, I think this is uh this is a hard thing about the book. <laughs> and um I'm on I'm on Twitter a lot and especially there and, and I mean you see it other places too. Anytime there's any talk about teachers quitting, it, it just becomes this very polarizing thing where um there's a side that feels like teachers just aren't working hard enough or they're complaining and um, you know, they just need to buck it up and do what they're supposed to do. And then the other side that's saying the system is so broken, um, no teacher can ever make it. You know, if you're if you're doing OK, you're lying to yourself, you're lying to everyone. Um, and so kind of finding that middle ground is really tough. Um, I, I do think, especially right now, administrators and communities have a huge role, have a huge responsibility Um it's not just teaching, but just the labor market in general. If administrators are not working deliberately, proactively to keep their teachers and to recruit 
good teachers, um, there are going to be shortages. And I mean, we're already seeing that. And I think even in districts that are working really hard, there's going to be there's going to be shortages. Um, and, and so I, I think even more than when I started writing the book, you know, it, once it went to print, I feel like then things just even the problems increased in even more. And so it's even more present now that administrators have got to be got to be doing something. Um, and I also think there is this line between there's really two parts of the problem. And there's a story in the book about um, my friend Kim Rhodes, who was a teacher and she was facing um, some really big obstacles at her school. And it was, you know, it was illegal what was happening. It was illegal. It was immoral. Um, and she had the resources to confront the legal part of it, which, you know, not everybody does. And she was fortunate to be in a place where she could really fight um, on the legal side. And I think that there are times, you know, now there are problems, whether we call it, you know, legal or moral problems, systematic problems that teachers need to fight and they need to, you know, whatever resources they can muster, whatever we can pull together, um, there's a responsibility to fight that. But for Kim, and I think for all the teachers, there is also, once you get over this legal, like systematic problem, um, that doesn't mean that um, everything's going to go away because there's this under, there's always this underlying thing, you know, for Kim, it was um, this racism that was, in this community <laughs> that was making it and, and legally they couldn't do what they were doing, but that didn't mean that people didn't have these, still have these racist ideas. And so I think that's where the book, you know, I, I really want the book to be empowering to teachers to say, there's this other side. And once we work through these systematic problems, you know, as we are great teachers, that's what's going to make the change in the communities. Because I think really most parents, most communities, they want great learning and teaching for their kids. And so when we are doing that, it is going to solve some of those problems. You know, oftentimes you need this legal intervention, you need this, um, you know, union intervention, there are some, some issues that need those bigger things. But once they're solved, the the, the teaching and learning, I, I think, if we are great teachers, we show them that you know, we were right, <laughs> that this is the right thing to do. And so, and I, I, the best way is when that can happen after the problem solved, but I think it can also happen before, you know, and teachers that stay teaching, the book can be a way to put you in that position where you're trusted, you can start to make those systematic changes. So it's definitely a both and proposition. And the book definitely focuses on the teacher's responsibility, but also as a way of empowering teachers to make those bigger changes. Yeah. And who better equipped my, um, a former, former boss of mine who I look up to immensely wrote a book called to teach is to lead it's Jim mm -hmm. Mahoney. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. So he, he, he posits that teachers are leaders by their very nature. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah that's people, what we're doing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And sometimes so. we forget, or at least I have to remind myself that we are leading the kids and we're also leading the parents and we're also leading the community. Uh, and and I mean, we're learning from them too. And of course there's this back and forth, but yes, it's leading all around. Yes. Absolutely. And I think, I think that is a very empowering sentiment because it can 
feel really awful sometimes when policies and, and legislations pass where you're like, you know, it's kind of constraining or it's really seems wackadoodle or it seems <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that's a good idea, but where in the world are we going to get to get the time and money for training and to like flip the script on this right? Yeah. in the next yeah. nine months, you know? Right. Yes. Um, yes. So yeah, that's, I think, that's a great byline for the book. Just, yeah, you teachers continuing to lead in everything that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, within the, I used to say, you know, I can only control what happens within the four walls of this classroom. But really, you can also try to have an influence beyond the four walls. You might not have the kind of um, management that you have and like the control <laughs> that you think not. you have, but at least you can have make your voice be heard and and share your energy in that way and and being creative in doing so. Yeah, yeah, and it and it looks like yeah, it's a different kind of teaching for sure. Um, but we can be yes, yeah. I, yeah I've never so thought about it that way, but yeah. I'm gonna pause here. Because I want to have this conversation, and then I may decide to cut it out. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to get heavy just for a second and thinking about, like, I have been completely distraught about the gun safety issues in our country, in our schools. And yeah. This is, so it's June. Right now it's, like, June, what, 16th? So yeah. June 16th, 2022. So maybe it's going on three weeks now, the the gun violence that happened in the school in Texas. And, you know, I've been talking to people about it and it's just been really weighing on me. And so at first, my first thought was, um, I had a flashback of in 2019 of our district training, which is really great for, I think it was really kind of really great training that we had, although it really shook me up at that point where we were all sitting in the auditorium with this police officer and I don't know, special agent guy. I I remember that. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. I was like, it was so raw. And I was like, I was like almost having a panic attack, just hearing about these things third person and like thinking about, Oh my God, at some point I might have to actually be in this environment what am I doing? Like, I would, I remember just like sitting there crying and we're having conversations about whether a dog leash would make a good tether to tether the door shut. I'm like, what's, where are we? This is terrible. So bizarre. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so flash forward three years. Now I've, you know, now I've got three kids in school and I'm not there. So I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not in the know anymore. Um, mm. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, to my husband, Dan, I'm going to have to homeschool all of our kids. And he was like, absolutely not. And then I'm like, okay, we're going to have to send them all to private schools because maybe that's, maybe, maybe an all girls school is safer. He says, absolutely not. And I'm like, maybe I have to go get my um, Irish citizenship through descent through my grandmother who moved here in World War II. And we're going to have to move to Europe because they have stricter gun rules. Absolutely not. And he's like, Jess, why don't you get involved at the local level. And I had to like let that marinate for a while, but then like, you know, finally I go on Saturday morning when my espresso is running strong, (laughs) I decided to email 10 representatives from our superintendent to our city council, to our mayor, 
to mm-hmm. our metropolitan mayor to the president of the United States and all yeah. of the representatives in between. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much the same template once I had it going, but I was like, please, can you please help us protect all of our kids? Like, what are we supposed to do? This is this is not what teachers signed up to do. This is not what parents signed up to do. Like, you know, yeah. so think, just oh, yeah. thinking about how, you know, in our small community, how can you know, we're all going to be facing this, all, all of us going back to school. And so that's just kind of where I've gone is like, how can I help teachers feel safe? And how can I help kids feel safe? And how can I help my family and myself feel a little bit better? And right. and maybe that means like, as you pointed out, coming together as a community and, and making sure that we all know the plan and we all adhere to the rules and we all understand why it's so important, um, you know, to go through the front door and sign in and go through the, go through the rigmarole. Yeah. Well, no, I, um, and that's real. The, the trauma, um, mm. it, well, and there's this, yes, I, I've been reading some things about uh, the notion of secondhand trauma and, you know, when you hear about something you can have, I mean, just like you were talking about, you can have, you know, PTSD symptoms, it's, it's, it's essentially you are experiencing it as if the trauma happened to your, to yourself. And I think that teachers being highly empathetic and emotional, that is, you know, it's more common probably in teachers than in a lot of other areas too. And then we have these mm-hmm. specific situations that are so close and specific to our occupation. Um, we had, I don't know if you've even heard about it, there was an incident at Bexley where our intruder alarm i mean it's not called that but like our special safety alarm went off in the middle of the day and everybody you know went to the lockdown positions and for about 10 minutes nobody knew what was going on and i mean that was scary <laughs> and i had um i had a class and the the classroom teacher you know since i'm a music teacher the classroom teacher wasn't with her class and there was no way she could get to them because you know you couldn't be in the halls um and she was just beside herself thinking where are my kids and then to be thinking you know what's going on now we found out later there was a malfunction in the system you know there was nothing going on but i mean that was really scary um and just feeling all those uh you know the physical reactions to that as well as all the emotional things um and and even to see the way the kids were reacting when when they thought something might be going on um and then to think about the kids that have gone through this for real, you know, it's just uh, unimaginable. We, the day after the shooting in Texas, um, you know, the morning after was, was very tough. Um, but as it, it was, it went on in the afternoon, I had some different tasks I was, I was getting ready for. And then we came back and we were, um, the principal was in my room, but I'm in the auditorium. And she said, Oh, we're having a staff meeting to talk about, what happened yesterday and I <laughs> I'd been doing really good all throughout the day but then I just broke down I said I had forgotten for a second <laughs> you know and it just you know it yeah it was just so easy to for a second to feel and then just have it all rushing back so all that to say there is this real trauma um that there are you know, at this point, there's a lot of teachers and a lot of students that have actually gone through this trauma. And then the secondhand trauma of, of having this thing that goes through it is really real. Um, and I think 
you know, and that I think is a both and uh, situation too, where we we need to be talking to legislators, we need to be talking about policy and and doing research and and trying to figure out what can be done, and then also um, taking care of ourselves to say there, there's counseling that's needed, there's there's different things that we need to um, do to take or, and just acknowledge that we're having these reactions physically and mentally um, and, and be, I mean, being able to process them kind of come to the other way. And I don't have, I don't have any good answers for that. <laughs> you know, I think the other thing with this, this book is um, the title you know, could make it seem like this is got all the answers and it certainly, it certainly doesn't. You know, there are situations that um, I feel like all I can do is hope that um, there is enough good in the world <laughs> there is enough good in, in teachers and in students and in communities that what we are doing is worth it um even when things don't go the way we would want them to go and even when things go terribly wrong that there still is enough good that, that we can do to keep pushing forward yeah and i would say bill the book it it doesn't have well it doesn't have any answers, but it has all the right questions. It has all the right questions because only yeah, yeah. the only the reader can the answers come from within the reader. And yeah, um, yeah. I, you know, there's like journal questions at the end that I was like, dang, yeah, if I I would totally be, you know, I think I even mentioned to you like I, I have an advanced copy and it's on a PDF. And if anybody has ever heard me talk about reading, you know that I cannot read on a PDF and I know my <laughs> students can't either. I'm like, if I had a paper copy of this, this thing would be all sorts of colored highlighters and my, all of my felt tip pens marking all over it, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's like it, it can very much be like this self-help workbook. Yeah, and that's – yeah. And that, yeah, and that, once again, empowering teachers to feel like these answers are within me and within my community, um, we can figure out how to get through this. Yeah. Well, and I will say that maybe wasn't fair to say chapter two has a really awesome structure for um, really great practices um, that I think could be laid on, you know, kind of like on a transparent you know, paper, you know, remember those old things? Those oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. It can be laid on top of whatever curriculum or pedagogy that particular school has, which is really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. And like data, you know, even like you kind of giving an overview of how to how to better keep track of data for your own teaching and, and um, to know if your own teaching is working and all of that, like, you know, formative instructional practices, that was really a powerful chapter as well so there are there are some like tidbits of practices but it really is mostly like okay how are you going to use this uh, right because like, they're also d- different in different places so yeah yes yes not to say that not there are some practical yes <laughs> there are a lot of practical things <laughs> for, but, sure. for sure um yeah for sure um I had another question come up naturally with that. Hold on a second. The answers are within. Mm, Okay. 
So just along the uh, the lines of that, I got really heavy there for a second, but yeah. uh, the whether or not we can, I can you know we can embark policy changes with gun safety. What I do believe now more than ever is how important teachers are in the social and emotional development of our kids from early on all the way through middle school and high school where we know we know those kids who are at risk for having um, emotional disturbances we know we know right. from the time they entered the building in kindergarten like and so yeah. I think what's going to be important for me as a member of a community, as a mother and as a teacher is how can I support the the community of learners and their social emotional um, growth? And, you know, you mentioned teachers taking care of themselves, but I think also having, having um, greater awareness of how to just wrap our arms around every single kid and make them feel like they're, that they're part of the school community and, and let them know that they are loved so that they can find peace. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Right, right. <laughs> that's right, it. That's yeah. all. <laughs> right. Just that little thing. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think that uh, absolutely. And you were mentioning uh, chapter two, which is the, the, the learning triangle and kind of thinking about how the different parts and just to say, yes, social emotional learning is so important. And I think that um, it, it really is I mean, we want to take care of kids because we want them to be safe emotionally and physically, but also it is so much easier to learn. You know, there's this, this side and, you know, the, the idea of the learning triangle is there, there's different sides. And if you're, if you're stronger on one side, it can kind of make up, you know, kind of balance out the other things. And that social emotional side, I guess it is just amazing to me, teachers that I see that have these, you know, these such strong bonds with their students and their students will do anything. And, and sometimes I feel like, gosh, your pedagogy is not very organized. Like your lesson was kind of a mess. Um, but the kids just did it, you know, because they love you. Um, and, and you, you show that you love them. And I, I mean, and I, I want that for my kids too. Um, and I do feel like it's something that, um, I, I work really hard at. And then I see other teachers that, you know, it is more natural. And, and so all that to say, the social emotional piece is not at the cost of other teaching and learning. You know, it is a vehicle. It is a mechanism that makes it easier for that teaching. Learning. And I think the other way around too, that um, I've had kids that the way I connect with them is when they start to learn, then that's how we get a connection. You know, I don't, I think I tend to be the teacher that doesn't, um, you know, buddy up to them and kind of talk about, the random stuff that some other teachers get into. But when I can, when I see them really learning and they're doing something new that they never knew that they could do before, and it's surprising even them, uh, you know, there's a, there's, that's a social emotional piece that comes from the learning too. So those, those really, you know, we want to focus on social emotional learning. I think we've seen a lot of that in the last few years. And I think that's really important, but it really is this, it's not a separate thing. You know, it's part of all the learning and then they really work together. Yeah, absolutely. And then finding the kids, finding their own strength and building, you know, as they've grown ups, helping them build on that and grow that even more. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I see like this, this tunnel of light just getting bigger, bigger, bigger for them. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. And then it, yeah. And suddenly like, and, and I think music is kind of a special case because there are students that are, you know, they can, sometimes they find themselves really succeeding in that class before maybe they succeed in other classes, but then it becomes this, like I said, I, I like that tunnel idea all of a sudden, well, maybe I can do reading. Maybe I can do math because I can do music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it's really fun to read about all the different examples and teachers that you um, gave little uh, vignettes about and they're real life vignettes, right? And yes. what did you say? There are over 25 examples that you yeah. gave. Yeah. Yeah. I think 29 at the, the exact count. Yeah. Okay. So can you give us an example of a teacher that you worked with that you can credit with going into teaching and staying in teaching? Um, yeah, well, I think, yes, going into teaching, I remember in third grade, uh, we were, my school was very small and we had K to 12 and one building. And the cool thing about that was, um, our high school Spanish class, like this, the senior class, um, would come over during Christmas, around Christmas time and teach us about uh, Christmas traditions in Spanish speaking countries. So I remember these seniors coming into our third grade classroom and they, they pulled down the map. That's when we had the maps that would come down you know, on the little rollers. <laughs> uh-huh. So they pulled down the map. And I remember this guy, he was just, you know, senior kid. Um, he was tall and had glasses. Um, and he was just so excited, like telling us about all this stuff. And the girl next to me, she elbowed me or something. And she was like, Bill, that's going to be you when you're a senior. And she wasn't saying it as a compliment, really. You know, She was kind of like, oh my gosh, what a nerd. But secretly, I was like, yeah, that is going to be me. That is going to be me. I want to do that. Um, and then I remember becoming a senior. And it, ironically, that girl was still in my class. And we were teaching those third <laughs> graders. Um, and it was all that I thought it would be, <laughs> you know. And that teacher, that Spanish teacher, there was so much, you know, so many things I learned from her and, um, and just how to make teaching engaging and fun and then giving me the chance to do it and seeing that it was, you know, what I thought, what I thought it could be and what I thought it would be. And so even though I, you know, I've never, never taught Spanish, but that really had a big effect on, on me being a teacher. Yeah. I mean, in third grade, like eight-year-olds are the best. (laughs) They're so fun. So, and you're a really energetic person. So I can just see this really great energy exchange. And yeah, I'm sure that was reinforcing. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think this will be my last question, but you mentioned quantitative descriptions of your book. And so do you want to give us a, give us your book in numbers? Okay. Yes. So um, I think there are some really poignant figures that are happening right now. Um, 55%. And this is actually even different than what's in the book. Um, 55% of teachers said they are looking to get out of teacher teaching sooner than they thought before. And that was an NEA study um, from February. And it's, it's become pretty publicized, but I think that is a number that we really need to think about. Um, over half the teachers are looking for a way to get out. And historically, they're probably not, we're probably not going to lose half of our teachers in a year or even two years. But having that many teachers that 
most of them got into it because they loved it. They thought this was going to be this thing that they fell in love with. And suddenly they're not. And that's, that's just a big, a big problem. And, um, you know, I, I think that is the number that describes why I wrote this book mm. um, for the teachers that may leave. And then for the teachers that are going to stay, but are having these feelings of how do I get through this? This isn't what I thought it was going to be. Um, the other number I think that's really important is 3 million. And that is uh, a very conservative number of the teachers in the United States. Um, some people put it more like 4.3. And then it, you know, if you're including, just kind of depends on, you know, how you're quantifying, but 3 million. Um, and when we talk about this teacher shortage and uh, teachers quitting all these systematic issues, it, it is really easy to feel like people talk like all teachers are having the same situation. And I think there are 3 million different teaching situations. There are 3 million different family situations that are intersecting with that. Um, and even in the same building, you know, you have two teachers that are doing very different jobs and having a very different experience. Um, laid on top of that, there are 3 million different teaching preferences. And, and I think that sometimes teacher leaders with the best of intentions um, talk about teachers should be doing this. They shouldn't be doing this. Like, don't, don't do this because that's not going to be good for you. Or I can't, there's no way you could enjoy, you know, grading papers all day or something like that. But I think some teachers do, <laughs> you know, there's all these things that it's easy, you know, as, as we confront this problem, we need to remember the 3 million number that there are that many different situations. And as we're looking for solutions, there's not going to be one type of teaching situation that's going to fit for everybody. Um, so I think the key for education leaders and then just teachers talking among, amongst themselves is to have this openness and this flexibility that we can have teachers teaching in a lot of different ways that, and they can feel good about it. Even if we wouldn't feel good teaching that same way, they can feel good about it. And the students could be learning and really succeeding, even though somebody's doing it a very different way than we would do it or that we would like to do it. Yeah, I think I think that might be a really great uh, realization takeaway from um, COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that it is, that was such a, well, for students, certainly, um, we saw, you know, we, we had some data, um, you know, standardized test data, and it was interesting that there were high-performing students that performed just as high, if not higher, through that all situation. Um, mm -hmm. And there were plenty of, I mean, lots of problems too, you know, we saw on all ends of the spectrum. But yes, students responded to that, some really positively. And for teachers too, there was teachers that they've said these last two years were their best years because of just various situations. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and just remembering how can we take the best of what we do and you know, share it with someone else so that maybe there's something they can take on, but that doesn't mean they have to teach just like us or if something's wrong with what they're doing. I just have yeah, lots of room for that. Absolutely. Um, I love that your, you know, your take on honoring the individual, the 3 million individuals. I think that's really important because we like to honor our students. So we should honor, honor that on each other. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. 
Okay, so when you feel like quitting teaching, read this book. When does it come out? Uh, so it came out today. Is what? Available um, <laughs> on on Amazon and other, really anywhere books are sold. If you are in Central Ohio, you can order it from Gramercy. Um, they don't have it in stock, but you can order it and pick it up at Gramercy if you want to buy local. Um, and yeah. And That's I, awesome. How exciting. Yes. Yeah. So it's congratulations. Fun. Well, thank you. And thank you mm. for having me on and, and having this conversation. This is really great. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Um, so, and you have a podcast too. It's a different, do you say a different EDU podcast or a different edu podcast? A different edu podcast or I, I have this, so, I have this Australian friend that did the voiceover. And so she says, edu podcast, you know, there's no, <laughs> there's no J when they say it, you uh-huh. know? But yeah, yeah. Well, podcast. where can we find that podcast? Um, and that is on uh, Apple Podcast and um, YouTube and all the yes, all the podcasts. Is it on Spotify? It is on Spotify. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to listening to that. I was trying to find it on Spotify the other day, and all I could bring up was Bill Manchester, the artist, and there were oh. like eight oh, songs on there. Is that you too? No, it's not. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a yeah, somebody out there. Yes. Okay. Cool. Well, great. So, um, Twitter, which good for you. I cannot bring myself to tweet, but Twitter, <laughs> you can find Bell at b manchester underscore edu. Yes. Or edu. Edu. Yep. So b m a n c h e s t e r underscore edu. And Facebook or Instagram at B Manchester EDU. Mm-hmm. Easy enough. That's right. Thank yeah, you so thank much, you. Bo. Congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mindful Literacy Podcast. We are so grateful to have you as part of our community. If you enjoy this podcast, please follow, download, and share this episode. You can also like, tag, and follow Mindful Literacy Columbus on Facebook, mindful.literacy.columbus, and on Instagram at mindful.literacy.practice. We love creating these episodes and hearing from you. May you be inspired and energized and share this love with those in your care. Until next time, may you be happy, healthy, and at peace.